Gaming NBS, episode 230, coming to you Sunday, well, being recorded Sunday, February 17th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS tabletop rpg podcast where we talk about all kinds of goofy stuff i'm sean and i'm brett welcome to the show welcome back folks glad everybody's here how you doing sean brett i'm i'm doing hunky dory i had a 26 hour weekend cutover i was literally up for 26 hours straight that's why you get paid the big bucks man yeah but um i told i got a hold of lenny i said man he asked me how my Thought the SAP cutover went, went fine. Had one little hiccup with some backups. Got it sorted out. 26 hours, though, man. It's a long time. Man, I just feel worn down. He said, that's because you're old, Brett. I said, fuck you. I'm not old. He goes, y- yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. He goes, yes, yes, you are. If your age doesn't start with a three, <laughs> you're old. Anything past that. I'm like, all right, fine, fine, fine. So yeah. apparently I'm old. I've, I've become old. I can't handle 26-hour cutovers anymore. Without sleeping for 14 hours as soon as I got home. <laughs> I don't think I could handle a 26-hour cutover if I was 20 years younger. I've done ages back. I did a data center migration. This is forever ago. This is before I got remarried. It was 36 hours. That was hell. Dude, I had been in the military, man. Yeah. Actually, well, the project manager who was working with me, ex-Army, I looked at him and said, John, you seem to be doing okay. He said, sleep deprivation. <laughs> I said, really? He goes, I got this cold, man. It ain't that long. He said, it ain't that long ago. <laughs> he went right back to work. <laughs> he's, he's, he was just in. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Field you got exercises. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see here. Do, 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 do. We're still going to GaryCon. We will be there. Kind of loud. That's coming up really darn fast, isn't it, man? I should probably put in some time off for that. You should probably put some time in for that. So what was my, really nice is I put in the super ass long weekend. My boss looked at me and said, hey, you know the gaming trip you got in March? I said, yeah. She says, you take that off on us. Wow. So wow. I got a little comp time for my uh, 26 hours wow. of no sleep and misery. So that was nice. Wow. Yeah. My boss is pretty cool sometimes. That was yeah. nice. That was slick. I'm just, I have to let my, I should let my boss know whether I'm coming back or not. <laughs> hey, just so you know, why? How, how did you leave the office Friday, Sean? Did you, is there a big turd on your desk, Sean? Is that what you did? Oh, man, I Light something you. on fire. You know? <laughs> Some days. I, I don't want to talk about day job, man. That's just. That's just depressing. We're not doing that. I won't do that to you. How about this? Yeah. We still doing awesome dice? Yeah, we are doing awesome dice. So um, Bruce Cunnington was the last winner in uh, January, and I, he's getting a set of dice. So if you go to our website at gamingabs.com and go to the front and add your first name and your email address, you will be automatically entered to get a free set of dice. And you can ask anybody. You can, Here, you can ask anybody. We talk to on a weekly basis how many emails we send. It's, it's zero to like nil. I'm on the I'm I am on the list. I don't get many. <laughs> I didn't even send out an email to tell everybody that Brett's Kickstarter funded. I told everybody that it started, but I never said it got funded. It's that kind of support. <laughs> so it'll be very low key. Like we want an email your email because with the way social media goes or if there's an issue or something, we want to just email you and let you know. 
because we may not have well, any other way to contact you. We've said this before. Like, what if G plus goes away? People right. scoffed. Hey, guess what? Happening right now. <laughs> G plus right. is going away. What happens when MeWe dies or Facebook becomes this untenable mass of corruption and weirdness, which it kind of is, you know, anyway, it's a good way to stay in touch and we won't flog the hell out of you. So if you, Submit that. We'll draw your. We're gonna have a drawing at the end of February for a set of dice. Otherwise, you can also take advantage of Awesome Dice by going to their website, awesomedice.com. You know, placing an order for anything over ten bucks or more, and you use the promo code Gaming BS. Uh, you'll save fifteen percent on your order, and they got some pretty good, cool dice on there. Some very nice stuff. Yeah. So yep. there you go. And as I said, we're going to GaryCon, so we will see folks there. Yeah. In March. Hopefully we can uh get some good gaming in, hang out, and uh chat with folks. So it'll right. be a it'll be a damn good time. Damn good. Well I'll tell you what, let's go on to random encounters. You you know what, Sean? Do you wanna you wanna cleanse your palate, read the first one? Yeah, well let's let's do my uh there, let's do that. All right. Oh, for freaking Pete's sakes. There we go. All right. Dan G emails us. Okay. I so he's got he's Catching up on a few episodes here. I've been listening to Gaming and BS for a month or so now and enjoy the show. Well, it's still early yet, Dan. <laughs> it is early. If you listen to our intro of this show and you're still in tune, all right, man, you've, you've withstood the test of time. Uh, I only listen to two other podcasts regularly, DGS and the official D&D show. Oh, well, the, wow. uh, the number nine rank or number seventh rank. Oh, podcast okay. for me and world probably. Did you uh, said he was number nine? That's awesome. No, Chad. Chad. Oh wait, no, sorry. The official D and D show. Okay, all right. We love we love Uncle Chad. Of course we do. He does put us out there every once in a while. He, He's he, a good guy. He pimps us out. So two twenty eight. He says I also picture tactical combat as more detailed and visual. Ah, so he sides with Brett. Uh, you can theater of the mind it, but having visual aids helps to know where the entire party and bad guys are. Touche. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree with that statement. Absolutely. 227. What do you do at conventions? So 227 was... That was 227, Brett. I can't remember. You keep reading. I'll, I'll look. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I can tell you I'm on the website. Random encounter catch up. Okay, so we ran. That was our random encounter extravaganza. Oh, that's right. Yes. Two twenty seven. He says, "What do you do at conventions?" A friend and I are in a weekly D and D game together. We started going to Game Hole Con in twenty seventeen, and this will be our first trip to Gary Con. Hey, make sure you look us up, Dan. Absolutely. I. In the past, we have kind of picked a game we have an interest in, something other than D and D. We get to. We do get AL in at Gamehole Con, but no plans for Gary Con, and spent a few months reading, painting minis, and making characters. This gives us something to do and look forward to as we get closer to the con. Even if we just act, don't actually use the miniatures like the ones we ordered and painted for Shadowrun, it's just fun to have them at the table. For Gary Con, we just chose games we have never played or haven't played in years and and have stuff like Call of Cthulhu, Top Secret, Savage Worlds, and Ghostbusters. We get enough D&D Weekly, and it's fun to try out other systems. Hopefully, we will bump into you at GaryCon. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So what Brett doesn't do anything. He lounges around. I pretty much do. GaryCon is my relaxing con, talking to people, hanging out, and I'm going to run some games off book like I did last year, which is a lot of fun. Brett does run games every once in a while. I do. 
I am in the same boat, Dan. I do tend to try to play games that I usually don't play. So even if it may be games I've never played or games that I just don't usually get an opportunity. Um, so I'm in a Call of Cthulhu game. Uh, Gaslands I'm looking forward to. I mentioned that in the last episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a DCC game, which I don't play very often. But I think that's about it. But yeah, I agree with you. And then he continues. 226, which is, to refresh everybody's memory. That's when we both kicked out uh, new campaigns. Two new campaigns. That's right. Fun to hear about both of your games. I've played Forced and Destiny on Fantasy Grounds, my virtual tabletop of choice. After the campaigns I'm in, after the campaigns I am in are through, are through, I would like to start a Savage Worlds or Starfinder game. Uh, if there is no interest locally, I might look into a FG game. FG. Fantasy Grounds. Fantasy Grounds game. Got yep. it. If you can't get face-to-face, you'll go back online. Word. 225. Chase scenes. Chase scenes. Yes. When the chase scene slows down, all the excitement is lost. Savage Worlds does have a kind of cool card use for chase scenes. 224. These are so many adventures. What is 224? That is the Reload. resurrecting, you know, the reloading, resurrecting one. Reloading a game, mm-hmm, previous mm-hmm. game. There are so many adventures for so many systems, I can't see replaying the same one with the same people. I, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can see that. And then round, uh, finishing up, he says, him, what else? Yes, to kids on bikes and Tales from the Loop. Getting info from your players. I've actually seen a few games on Fantasy Grounds that have looked interesting to me, but when I see how much info is requested, I pass it by. It is easier for me to talk through it than answer 20 questions. Fair. Uh, Dan, P.S. I don't know where to leave the comments, and this is the email I found. So, <laughs> so Dan, well, you must have found our – I don't know how you find our email. He found our email. Yeah, I mean so- – Honestly, dude, email is just as good as any comment section on our website yeah. or anywhere else. So on each episode does have a little comments section. Yeah. Once out there, you can go, oh, hey, I'll comment on this one. I'll comment on this other one. But if you want to do a, a dump like this, which is totally fine. Lots of uh, listeners have done this in the past. Um, feel free to hit, hit us up with the email. Give me NBS yeah. at gmail.com. It's a perfectly legit way to go. We watch that. Regularly. You can contact us any way you want, Dan, man. Absolutely. GamingNBS.com forward slash contact. I think it's just contact. I don't think it's contact us. Anyway. Yeah, just contact. Anyway, so thanks for writing in, Dan. Thanks for the recap on some of those and, and uh, leading us or, or giving us your insight and your preferences. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Hope to see you at GaryCon too, man. So look us up. Yeah, man. All right, what do we got next? DM Kojo wrote in on 228 about tactics. Greetings, BSers. I approached the show 228 with some trepidation, as I've never been a huge fan of tactical gaming. Sure, I enjoyed some Battletech now and then, and I think, but I think my lack of tactical skill is the main reason I don't usually enjoy these types of games. This is evidenced by the fact that I can't seem to beat my seven-year-old son at risk. Uh, Kojo, I suck at risk, so I'm just throwing it out there. Um, <clears throat> anyway, he goes on. I've never played Pathfinder 3E or 4E. Want to congratulate you gentlemen on convincing me never to do so. <laughs> Your analysis of tactical RPG games was excellent. It is most definitely not for me. 
Uh, for those who love it, that's awesome. But for me, the thought of counting squares, determining blast effects, or seeing who is close enough to, or an attack of opportunity would drive me crazy. I have been and probably always will be a theater of the mind GM. Even games that are made to utilize minis or character counters like Star Frontiers, Marvel Superheroes, Edge of the Empire, and Savage Worlds inevitably turn into purely theater of the mind under my watch. Again, I think it's great that there are so many variety uh, there's so many variety of gaming styles as to appeal to a variety of people in our hobby, but tactical is just not my bag, baby. Great show as always. Thanks, Kojo. You know, Kojo, I think, um, thank you as always for writing in. And I think, you know, it's, I really appreciate the fact that you said, you know, good job, but it's still not for me. It's <laughs> just totally fine because the best thing we can do is like, it's kind of like the kids on bikes thing for me. I'm like, I, I get it. That would be hit for some people, but it just doesn't feel like something I would enjoy. You know, would you, could I convince you maybe to try it? I bet you, Kojo, I could get you to try it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just if it's not your jam, man, you've been gaming long enough. You probably tried it and just aren't that keen on it. Totally legit. As you say, there's plenty of there's plenty of gaming styles out there to go around. So you can always find something you like. Yeah, that's fine, Kojo. All right. Over to you, sir. Michael Phillips comments on episode 228, which, again, is tactical and RPGs. We mentioned Lady Blackbird in that briefly. Yes, we did. So he says, so I would say, this is how he puts things into um, kind of a box. He says, I would say Lady Blackbird is like Keep on the Shadowfell, a module with a pared down rule set included. There is another game with similar rules that it is based on. Monster Hearts is about as flexible as D&D. They just ask different base questions. D&D asks, how will I get this pie from that orc? Oh, God, pie, orc and pie. Orc and pie. Oh, God. D&D asks, how will I get this pie from the orc without losing all of my blood and ideally with lots of with lots of hitting it? Monster Hearts asks, how will I deal with my emotional needs and these threats to my well-being while also being a sexy teenage monster? Yeah. The games are built to answer those questions and have other bits that can expand your questions asked. Making D&D into a diplomatic entry game with only intermittent stabbing, excuse me, intermittent stabbing orcs is about as much work as making monster hearts into a group of monster superheroes breaking down the doors and taking the death laser death laser plans from Dr. No Good No Good Nick. No Good Nick. No Good Nick. There you go. Yeah, No Good Nick. Yeah. In the D&D example, the tool set will still track your ability to murder orcs and how you your house cha- house rules change over time. I think that's what he was going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the my game, then my game will stack. Oh God. Then my game will still track how your self-control is impacted and what effect conflict has on your mental state while you murder mooks. Hmm. I think that's where it ended. I don't know yeah. if it got cut off or not, but that's okay. I mean, I think because one of the things we talked about in episode two twenty eight was games that were built for a thing, right? And that was kind of where we said this one is very built for tactical. This one is not, and we did kind of tread a little bit into like Lady Blackbird and uh, Monster Hearts. So that's right. Good perspective, Mister Phillips. Thank yes, you. Thank you very thank much, you, Michael. Let's see here. <clears throat> Grim Fan is back, uh, commenting on episode 228. Great topic. While I was very much on the maps line, I recent, recently I have developed mixed opinions about minis and maps, like you guys that didn't play with a lot of minis until the 3X days. 
Pro. I think they enable really detailed tactical plays with area of effects, movement rules, cover, etc. They also provide the way to visualize the battlefield in a common frame. That's a substantial benefit, especially especially for online play. There's some damn cool things where a map really made makes it more fun, such as when a character gets in a good blocking position. Con, I find there are things I run without a map that are more creative, perhaps. While I also continue to uh, to run a battle that would be exceptionally difficult or time-consuming to map, particularly online. I did one that was really gonzo with a large hill that involved creatures getting hamster-balled into beads of force and rolling down long-range archery and allied dragon flying around. And one of the PCs, whose player was unexpectedly absent, convincing some of the foes to depart the field. I think that would have been very difficult to map with just too much di- with just too much dynamic things going on. Too many, excuse me, too many dynamic things going on. I also think that oftentimes things slow down due to rules optimization decisions where, as DM, I'd probably have just thought about it and said yes or no or make an acrobatics check to get by him or something like that. Finally, when you do uh, what you do when you have to fight, when you have a fight breakout suddenly. Ugh, good Lord, I cannot read today. Finally, what do you do when you have a fight breakout suddenly? I think my favorite is probably uh, the eclectic position, a, a rough tactical with relative positions or small tactical maps for things that really suit it, but gridless when it's not suitable. For instance, having a chase with relative positioning that resolves down to a tactical map of a fight ensues. My preference, it depends a lot on the group. A GM who's very good at description with players that have a high level of trust can do a uh, mapless setting very well. I think the Brett style of improvisation with the rules is very much how I like things. I both I prefer to both run and play that way. Someone who's total raw rules is written. I've read all supplements and nobody does that type of lawyer. No thanks. Also, the point about a ruthlessly tactical game and not discouraging people from making cool moves. Yeah, I think the GM really needs to be encouraging and supportive. If anything but normal, or excuse me, if anything but really optimal rules is written, things are going to happen. There are some things that just feel too whack to be allowed. In general, if it's cool, run with it. And uh, with a strong caveat that it might not work out again. Good stuff, Crimfan. You know, I think think a a piece you said there is kind of that eclectic position of gridless sometimes and on the map when it matters. I have done that. In my Pathfinder game I just ran, this brings us to mind. Um, I'll be running it again, I think, in like two weeks when we get back together. But anyway... There were a couple things that happened that were tactical-esque, but we really didn't need the map, so I didn't bother to draw anything out on the table, and we didn't bother to pull out the minis because it was short, quick, and really didn't need a lot. But <laughs> excuse me, when the, a larger-scale fight broke out or something that's more critical, we definitely had the map. So I think that position is interesting. It also draws a line in, out there that says, hey, you know, if you like it but not always, you can totally do that just because – there's a bar fight doesn't mean there has to be a tactical map for the bar fight type of thing. You can have it both ways at the table, which is a good point. We did not mention. So Krim fan, thank you for bringing it up. Yes. Krim fan. Thanks buddy. Shall we? Yeah. Let's get into the main topic. All right, Barrett. So Aaron C. had uh, emailed us and asked us how we create, or how would we create, uh, playtesting material in a really effective way. How would you make playtesting material that would be effective? Um, so, Sean, I think this, this feels similar to me, uh, almost in a way of like, 
when we've talked about running a con game. Where if the first time you're going to run a con game, if you have the opportunity to play test it or run it for your friends or another group just to see how it goes, how long it takes, and so on, it's a good idea. Do you feel that type of advice would still hold true? Do you think that makes sense? Hold true for running a game or well, just you know play testing creating mater- one, just kind of play testing material in general. You know, a small contained event like a con game. You know, hey, we're going to run this for two hours. Let's see how it goes. Type of thing. The reason I ask is because if I were to say, hey, I'm going to create a whole new set of rules, I would want to try it out in a contained format instead of saying, hey, let's start a whole new campaign and then halfway through the campaign find out that it sucks or is broken or something like that. Trying to hit it in smaller doses. Yes. Yeah, most definitely. If you're going to play test anything, I think you, you now. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, that's my answer. Final answer is yes. You got to bite it, bite it off in small chunks. So what is this? Uh, so what do you think? How would you do this? How would I, how, if so, I am the so designer. So if you're going to create something, yeah, if you're going to create something that's going to be play tested, yeah. you want to get, it, you want to be effective, right? So if you make a new character class for a D&D game or you make a new move for a, a Apocalypse World type game or albeit whatever it is, whatever it is, um, a new race for a game or something, how would you create that material so that could be play tested effectively? What would you do? Well, I think you have to have some um, guidelines and ask yourself what you need, what you want tested. What what is it that you're trying to? What do you What do you want to know whether it works or not? Yeah, so it's almost like a uh, <laughs> speaking of job. It's almost like my day job, right? Where okay, I'm going to change this thing. What am I trying to change it? Well, what's supposed to be the result? Right. Well, I should change this, and my new internet carrier should mean that my bandwidth is doubled in speed or capacity. Great. So I'm testing this thing to make sure that my bandwidth requirements are met, or I'm writing this app code to make sure that the database um, produces X result or whatever the case is. So <clears throat> when you're creating a, when you're creating material to play test something, I guess come up with what what I'm hearing you tell me, Sean, is what is the end result? What are you actually trying to get back as feedback, right? Because if you get a bunch of feedback, which you will we'll probably get from people, oh, I didn't like the color. Oh, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. Oh, just by the way, I wasn't too keen on this piece. If what you actually want to accomplish is does this thing overpower them in combat or does this thing, is it useful in combat? Is this way that I used my new chase rules boring or does it take too long? You know, calling out what your uh, what your goals are. What are your requirements for this test? What are you really trying to get out of it? And keep that as clear as possible in your mind. Write it down, whatever you got to do. And everything you build, focus on that. Because in my experience, whenever you ask somebody for feedback on anything that's play test, I've seen other people do it. I've done it myself. I've had people do it back to me and I've talked to other people who've had the same problem is you're going to get flood of information. And if you don't ask them, how did it accomplish these five things? 
you may not get any information that's really valid to what your test was supposed to be for. Does that yeah, make sense? And I, yeah, and I think it's very important that you actually have those criteria or those posed questions and examples so that you would tell whoever is playtesting to say, hey, because I've also heard, I can't remember what podcast it was or somebody was talking about playtesting, but it was, a you're going to that, Brett, where it's, if you just say, hey, I want some feedback on this game, you're going to get stuff that's not overly relevant and, you know, or it's already something you've playtested and that per- player just may not like that. Like, I just... Well, I don't like that. Great. You may not like that, but that's not what I'm really wanting to know. What I want to know is I am trying to facilitate suspense. When you ran the encounter, did you feel that the mechanics left you in suspense? Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, yep. You know, whatever. And the um, more and the more abstract a thing you're trying to test for, feelings, which is like suspense, horror, passion, those those types of things, if you're trying to evoke it in the player, that's tough. That's right. tough because it's gonna it, it's gonna be hard because sometimes certain people are scareable at a table, some people are not. Some people could give a shit about horror and dead babies, other people let drives and bananas. If you're looking to hit a very tactical note, and by that I mean a rules thing, like, hey, did you feel that trap was unfair? Because I'm playtesting a module I've written this is how old we are. We're still saying modules. <laughs> Playtesting an adventure I've written that's supposed to simulate or be like an old school dungeon crawl. Did you feel it was too deadly and dangerous? There were no answers. There were no opportunities to fix anything. Too much save or die. Or, you know, again, having those specific questions, I think, are going to be when you're designing it and building a thing to be tested, keep that in your head. Like I said, write it down and read back over it and critically ask yourself, is this thing I'm going to run or have somebody run for me, is it, to my best of my ability, designed to hit these key deliverables? If you have that, it's going to be a lot easier. And I think Sean's example just makes me want to caution people. If you're getting into feeling and emotion and so on, it's going to be harder. But it's it, if that's what you want to hit, be clear about it. So that way people can say, no, I didn't really feel a lot of suspense. I felt like I was just waiting for the dice to fall. It really wasn't a big deal to me. That's good. Oh, and by the way, I also don't like die pools. Cute. <laughs> Neat feedback. You can chuck it. <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. I think you have to I have I think you have to have some very direct questions on what you are trying to achieve. And when you explain to a playtest group what you are trying to achieve, then there is a bit of a focus other than just playing the game and coming up with a bunch of feedback on the game. You don't want a review of the game. You want feedback based on whether it's the mostly the mechanics, I'm guessing, or maybe the flow, right? Hey, why do you, you know, why do you have me do this when the game master does that? It's, you know, and then I do it again, right? So it's, it's that stuff that, that could be beneficial to you. I don't know, I guess as an aspiring game developer, but I also think that testing an adventure, Brett mm-hmm. is a little bit different. Like, you know, Hey, I'm going to run a game of Gary Khan. I want to run people through it. I think it's a little different than if you were trying to come up with, you know, a game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because one is like, I'm running a new DCC adventure. I've created, you know, You're, you already have the rules. I already have the rules. I already have certain, 
preset, you know, genre, whatever it is I'm going to fit into. How's it, how's it going? <clears throat> I remember when uh, you had played um, Top Secret New World Order, right? Yes. And we talked to Chad Parrish and, um, and, and the guys. Oh, God, his name's slipping my mind. Oh, I know his name. It's Carpio. Thank you, James. Yes, we talked to Mr. Carpio. Yep. And he pulled me aside and said, hey, so you brought something up to Chad. And I said, well, sh- the way Sean explained to me, and we just kind of talked about it, and it all came down to a very mechanical die rolling thing. And James was very grateful. He said, that's kind of cool. And the way the three of us had the conversation was all around one topic. And I, and James was very – I thought it was really cool because he took the information and said, I don't know if this – what this would do to the larger game as a whole, but the situation you talked about, this is making sense to me. I need to take this feedback and see what I'm going to do with it. I think the other piece. I wonder if I I got playtest credits in that thing. I don't know. We should look. Just curious. One of the things we should, um, we we should also mention, uh, where where the fuck was it going with this? I just lost my mind. Oh, um, crap, crap, crap. Uh, It'll come back to me. Um, One of the things that Aaron asked about is creating the material. So, if you're running something brand new, and it's for, hey, no one's ever played Brett and Sean's Amazing Superhero Adventure game, any of the material that you're providing, one of the things that I like when I see something brand new is that character sheet or a handout or whatever it is, I as the player should have all the information on how to use my character in front of me right there. So if there is a, hey, here's how combat works. Hey, here's how skill checks work. Hey, you've got five spells. Here's exactly what they do. I don't want to, if I'm playtesting something, have to look at the game master and say, how does punch things really hard work? It should say punch things really hard. Your strength plus this plus this minus their defense equals this. I don't know about that, Brett. I'm just saying if you're going to create stuff and you want people brand new, no one's ever done it before, it is to be effective and to make things move that might be helpful. Why do you say no? I may, I may say no because maybe as a game master, I want my game to be able to be explained to people and absorbed without a reference sheet. Aha. So that is a goal then. That's a requirement that we're saying, Hey, I need to have the, one of the deliverables of this is the character sheet. I don't, you don't need to know mountain of rules. You don't even need to have them on a sheet. All you do is say, I want to use my punch him super hard. And I say, ah, punch him super hard is strength plus con. Roll it. Oh, it's that easy? Yep. It's just two stats. You add them together and you make a roll. Oh, so run really fast is strength and dex. Oh, neat. Click. Right. And Ma- the, I'm making that up. Like that's Right. A thing, and that, but. that would be a thing that I would probably bring up. So, again, I think when you're playtesting something very complex like a game, like a role-playing game specifically, and you're developing it, you really got to chunk it down i think you gotta break it into pieces so one of the things maybe in one of your sessions when you present it to the group is maybe you present it the game blah and then at the end you ask again going back to whether it needs a reference sheet or not Mm -hmm. then you ask at the end of the game well you pick up you pick her out like here's a reference sheet hey did the reference sheet come in handy or did you pick it up relatively quickly quickly without it Oh, we picked it up all very, you know, real quickly. It was very intuitive. I didn't really had to. I didn't really have to lean on that. Yeah, I looked. At, I looked at the sheet once, and I, I right. figured it out and never okay. used it again. Don't need a reference sheet. Yep. Okay. 
flip it around, you know, you explain it. Do you feel as though a reference sheet would have helped you grasp the understanding and the, the make things quicker, more effective, more intuitive? Would that have helped you? No. Yes. Okay. Yes. It needs an, in a sheet. No, it doesn't. We also have to get different people's opinions and, you know, different people comes from, from different backgrounds as mm -hmm. far as like gaming. And so some people may be like, well, I, you know, so then you get a buck, like you get a bucket, you don't want all the same people from the same bucket, right? Exactly. The other piece, and now I remember what I was going to say before is, one of the things I was really pleased when, when James mentioned to me, he's like, I'll take this feedback and thank you very much. I don't know what this will, what will happen with it yet. Yeah. Which is a very polite way of saying, I may take your idea, Brett, and throw it right the fuck out yeah, because I mean, it means yeah. nothing. Maybe worthless. Yeah, it may be it may be worthless in the grander scheme of things, which is Odds totally legitimate. From, from Brett, probably. Probably is worthless. Right. <laughs> I, I admit that. But there's a um, – I run into this in – again, going back to my day job. People want to give you feedback all the time. Hey, you know what you ought to do? Hey, you know this. Running a game convention. Hey, Brett, you know whatever account should have? It should have this. That sounds great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Nobody mm -hmm. asked me for feedback in my day job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not. I'm trying not to hurt you, Sean. Well, on the um, client side, they don't. On the candidate side, they do. But when you can feedback is a thing you can take or leave. And the other piece, from in my mind, an effective approach to it is saying, "I want this thing to have to have these. These are the goals. Am I hitting those goals? Yeah. If you could have an entire group of playtesters say you didn't hit a single fucking one of those things, it doesn't work at all, huh? Interesting. I've got 20 other groups that all say it does work. Outlier. Push it aside. This game is not for that that person or that group of people, which is a totally legitimate thing. As we just talked about above, you know, Kojo's like, that sounds great. I don't want nothing to do with it. Have fun doing that. Not everyone is going to love anything that you're trying to play test. And your outliers to the good, like, oh, my God, this is the best fucking thing ever. I can't believe all games don't do this. That's great. But if that is the only person who said something that you are the second coming and you're just the best damn thing ever and amazing, okay, one person said that. Everybody else said, meh, okay, no. Well, guess what? The, the bulk of the people, sample size-wise, they're probably right. You know, um, again, depending what a goal is. If a goal is I'm making something to sell, I'm making something to see if I can you know, I, I want certain type of people to be interested. I want people to have these uh, stressed out feelings. I want people to have a game that doesn't need a reference sheet or one that can use a reference sheet. Um, keeping those goals in mind will help you take the feedback you receive. And if the feedback isn't helping you determine if you're hitting the notes that you want to hit, the feedback is of no use. That's how I see it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So if you were going to create something that you wanted to play test, hmm. would you, hmm, what do I say? So I guess the first thing, what we're talking about here would be, we want to create something. So we're going to come up with a list of like, these are the things I'm trying to get out of my creation. Right. Okay. Right. And then depending on what that is, you could have something like, hey, this play test material would have a reference sheet or not, because you want your play test material to reflect the things you're trying to get out of the event of the playtest itself. The material is the vehicle. It's the thing that should reflect what you're trying to create, right? Okay. 
Well, if you said, hey, I want to play Dread, I don't know if I'm going to use a Jenga tower or a dice tower or popsicle sticks or mumbly peg. I don't know. So, <clears throat> you know what I mean? You're going to pick something that, oh, yeah, you that, gotta, that, that, that fits into what you're trying to accomplish. You yeah, know what you got to bake a little bit of it. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying, though, is Aaron's question of how do you create the material is stay true to that list of things you're trying to accomplish. You're going to try something and go, wow, that, that, that fucking missed. You know, Tiddlywinks was not for Dread. Next. I have no idea how Dread was made. I'm not saying this. <laughs> the author did that. But at some point, you're going to try something and you're like, well, I think this fits. This is going to help me answer this question to my playtesting goals. It lands. It goes, wow, that, that answered it with a big no. Don't do that. Throw it out. Try the next thing. So what I'm saying is whatever material you're creating, make sure it is reflective of or going to help drive towards the answers you're looking for, be they positive or negative. You're staring at me like you don't follow me. I do follow you, and I think yes. Okay. I do. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you're going to try to – if you're trying to get to a particular end state, you, yeah. Do you want feedback on – whatever you're using i don't know god it's that, it's a, that it's sounded a, really dumb <laughs> honestly though i was thinking about this today after oh. i woke up from my 14 hours of sleep i wish i had 14 hours of sleep it was it was heavenly after oh you know, forever but it's interesting because i think the other piece that goes along with this is how do you need to receive the feedback right what an effective way to deliver it. If you're the one delivering it, what's the most effective way for you to get things across to people? And if you have your goals, your tenants, if you will, of what you're trying to, you know, what your playtesting material is supposed to do when you want to present it, you want to create this stuff and actually, you know, hand it to people and to have it be an effective presentation, you've got to come up with something and, and stick with it. Or if you've gone, if you're going through it, you say, wow, I found that I never, I was given, you know, I gave this out, but no one ever used the driving rules. We came up with a different way to have a chase scene. We never used the driving rules as written. The player said, well, why don't I just do dexterity plus this? And on the fly, wow, that's a really, really good, really good idea. Is try to present everything as honest and true as you can and then see where it, see where it falls. That make, does that make sense? Sure. Because I was, <laughs> I've played with people in the past who are like, hey, I've got this really cool idea. I want to try this thing. And they're like, so, okay, we've hit the point where we should try the cool, you know, ruley thing that you came up with. Well, I guess it's kind of like this. We could also do this other. No, tell me what it is you've got. Let's try it. You know, come in with a solid thing that you're actually trying to try. Um, because if you come in saying, well, I was thinking about, you know, if, if the notes to the game master who's who's going to run this sucker for you are, well, try to get him to figure out a really cool cool way to have a chase scene. That's <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> you know, this is how you run a chase. Clunk. And the adventure or whatever you're doing has these, use these rules and tell me how they function. Right. Um, try to be as concrete as you can is what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta kind of come to the table with with your proverbial shit together to some degree. You can always change it, but you've gotta 
you've got to take charge of what's going on and you got to convey to your play testers, Hey, this is what I'm trying to achieve. And then ask some very poignant questions about whether you are accomplishing what you're, you've set out to achieve. And if you haven't, why you could get written feedback. I've, I've done that in a play test where I was a play tester for wizards, um, for, on one of their books for the saga edition, which was the, uh, Knights, I think the old Republic book, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then it was more of a questionnaire. So we got the playtest material, which was very, you know, class, you know, this race, these mm. bonuses, you play them, you know, what are your thoughts? Um, well, it was more than that. It was, you know, how did this, did, you know, what you perceived playing this class actually fulfill you know, was, did it meet your expectations during play or something along those lines? In other yeah, words, I'm, I'm fighting an alien killbot, and I find right. out I've got, you know, better skills in romance than I do killing. This feels stupid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines. And so that feedback makes sense. If you're trying to, you know, going back to the, what are you trying to facilitate if there's an emotion involved? Are you trying to facilitate fear, suspense? Uh, romance, um, you know, helplessness, the way you are doing it in the game, are you, are you accomplishing that or not? If not, like, am I, did you feel that as though you were helpless in this game? Yes. I thought I was very helpless. I couldn't do shit. Great. Perfect. Excellent. You know, (laughs) you know, if not, why? And then you can, you get that written feedback, and then there's also times where, I mean, if you go, we'll mention this, but there's a gaming convention that facilitates quite a bit of this. You know, how do you, you could get feedback at the table from a group at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I, I don't know, I, I don't know if they do this or if they would poo-poo this, like, method, but I would have everybody write their stuff down. Like, here's all, here, have questions here, you know, write your answers down, and then discuss it at the table to see you have their kind of preconceived, like non-influenced answers. Yep. Because what happens is you want to give, that'll be more honest up front. But then when other people start bringing up certain things, you can kind of tag along on that and say, oh, you know what? I can see how that, how you would see that. And I, I do that. I agree a little bit. You do get some influence, I think, from one person to the next, depending on who it is. Yes, I've seen that happen. Yeah. I mean, um, Ron Edwards, you know, if you don't know who Ron is, he was uh, overseeing the Forge when it was a website long ago, talking about game theory. Sorcerer. Yep, sorcerer. Um, quite a few books that he had, had or RPGs he's done. So Ron knows design and development of RPGs. Mm-hmm. I would feel as though he would be probably at an expert level of that. But if I'm at a table and I know Ron and he's pointing things out, you would almost feel maybe intimidated to say, oh, you know what, I don't agree with Ron, right? Because he's been around a while. Yes. Uh, well, Mr. Steve Jackson, I don't know what you think you know, but allow me yeah. to tell you that, right. the, that the way this card game plays is crap. Yeah. Now, I can tell you from experience, because I've had this happen, is that at Forge Midwest, um, I think it might have been Save. Save if, I don't know if Save listens to this. He's a Madison guy. He's done a, a game here to here or there. And Ron and I were in that game along with another individual. I think it might have been Brennan. Uh, Brendan. But anyways, at the end, he asked for feedback, and we gave it. And, of course, you know, I kind of defer 
some of that's around because he he's just done it more often. He knows game design, mm-hmm. but at, at the same time, Ron uh, was very open to not taking over the conversation. Oh, that's nice. That's very good. Well, and he could have just been like, "Hey, that's my opinion. This is the way." Instead, he he did kind of facilitate and moderate more of a discussion over anything. Like, I don't know, what are your guys' thoughts? Did you feel the same thing? And then it left it open where I didn't have to feel as though, well, I don't, I'm just Sean, man. I don't, I do a podcast and talk about, I mean, our podcast name is BS. So I don't know. If <laughs> so what do you I want out of me? Of, what do you want out of me? I don't know if I have a whole lot of cred in this whole thing, right? Well, there's a piece about the effectiveness of the material. And I think, Part of it is to, hmm, you, if you have your goals, you have what you want to do, and you've got the material prepared and ready to go that's supposed to hit those notes, um, and then coming and then being ready to come back at it and ask questions about those notes that it was supposed to hit. And then once you're done with that, then having that, I guess that open discussion, that willingness to take the to take the feedback, don't argue, right? Okay, cool. I see your point. Oh, that's you yeah. Know, then yeah, I, the I played with piece. the feedback loop. I played um, Hydra Hackers with Phil Vecchione at Origins uh, a couple years ago. Oh yeah, and uh, before it hit its its current its current format, and we had some negative things to tell him, and Phil took it like a champion. Okay, all right, I see that. And I said, I can't remember what I said. I'm Phil like, left. Phil left. Said, "Fuck those guys." <laughs> he said, "I hate you." And he punched. <laughs> he hit me really hard. No. Um. Anyway, so it was the way he took it was he listened, and I said at one point I said I cannot read to this day I can't remember what I said, but he said, I, I said I don't know if that's what you're going for, but this is what I felt that might be wrong. And Phil said, "No, no, no. Your your feelings are yours. That's fine. Right. You know, right I don't right. I don't know if that is." You can't disregard somebody's feelings. No, right? but he was like, the way you felt, that's good to know because it's a role-playing game and a lot of it's in your head and emotions play, so thank you right. for sharing, which was great because whether Phil agreed with what I said or not, he was a champ about it and didn't say, well, the game isn't supposed to evoke that or, yeah, it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, you dummy. You know, I mean, there was no combative component to it. And I think <clears throat> he had a goal, right? We're going to try this stuff. He'd made some adjustments to the actual act of the hydro hack itself. He'd made some adjustments. So we wanted us to get to that point. So when we started talking about a component of it before the hack, I, can't, I think it might have been Ange Murray or um, Jerry, one of the other folks came in with us, said, I don't know if that's really what you wanted to focus on as much, but I, I thought we could have spent more time doing X, Y, or Z. And Phil said, okay, yeah, I was really, remember, I was really trying to focus on the hack component of it. We all said, ah, yes, that helped to steer the conversation towards the thing he was really looking for. So we talked about that thing. Right. There were other components and pieces around the setting and blah, 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 that we could have gotten into. But because he helped and we tried our best to stick around the points he was trying to get to, I think it was a much better conversation. Sure. And he took notes and Senda was there and she was taking some notes on the side with us as well. But, excuse me, keeping it focused, I guess, is is the biggest component for me. Everything was presented in a way that it was focused to get us to a certain thing. And it's going to feel playtesting material, in my experience, can feel contrived. And that's okay because you need to have a thing happen so you can test it, right? The reason when you go to the doctor, you say, well, we're going to take some blood because we're going to test it. They don't sit around, look at you, and wait for you to break out in the measles. They start doing tests. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> they start they start taking samples to figure things out and go for it. And that's the same type of thing you're trying to do is hey, I want to hit this note or these five notes, or whatever it is. And the other component, I think, from an effective perspective is if the thing you're creating has 20 notes, maybe not hit all 20 at once. Depending how much time you're going to invest in this particular play test, you might only get two or five, right? And that might be a piece where you say, I think I can get five. And the first piece of feedback that comes back to you that says, I didn't even know there were three because we never got past the first one. Ah, good to know. <laughs> That's another component. You you don't know necessarily how much of that will get through. Again, because I don't know what it is that you're actually trying to create. But, you know, keep your keep your list and work off of that and try to keep everything focused towards it. Because I think that focus from beginning to end through that playtesting process will really help. Yeah, it wow. is. It is. I mean, playtesting is I mean, cool if you embrace it and take it for what it's worth. It can make your product um, better, a lot, 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 lot better. And we are not professionals. So, <laughs> full disclosure, man, I am not a game developer. I am not a game designer. Um, I've play tested a few here and there, but nothing. You know, I think that. I mean, I'm. I haven't gone. I haven't had a. Like Brett hasn't developed a game where he's like, I'm developing a game. And I go, cool. And he's like, okay, I'm going to play test it. And then he goes, okay. And we go, okay. And then we sit at a table and we do it. And then Brett goes, okay, thanks for the feedback. And then he comes back and says, hey, I'm going to want you guys to do some more. And we go, okay. So there's there's people that do that and keep it kind of within their own group. And then there's some folks that really, like I'm, like, I'm sure Phil, like he blew it open to... Yep. People at Metatopia probably did it at Queen City Conquest. He probably did it with his home group and got I did so with, many I, different people. With uh, with my Bad Magic game, I did that, but it was with just my group. Right. Kev was part of it in Austin and, and those guys. So it was, hey, we're trying this thing. And at the end of every session, I asked some stuff. We would come back. I would say, hey, I noticed this sucked last time. Do you mind if I change it? I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. That's fine. But these were, you know. Folks have been gaming with forever, so it was very a very closed session designed specifically to hit the notes that that group wanted to hit. But that was my goal. My goal was not to do anything larger with it, right? Well, then just to hit that thing and make sure I I got certain components notes feel like hey, it has to feel like street level magic. I need to have this component. This needs to be faster. The character sheet is all you should need. I shouldn't have to have you looking crap up. You should be able to look at your sheet and say, I want to do this thing, and here's how I do it. It should be very intuitive to you. There were a couple pieces that just weren't. JR uh, looked at it and said, I don't know what to do. I'm like, ah, fuck, that's not good. Change. Try that. Ah, I'm happy now. And off we went to the races. But again, it was for a small group of people. But even then, it was presented in such a way that we beat the hell out of it, you know, used all the components of it, and then went after the ones that nobody liked. (laughs) So I could fix them so that my group liked them. But to your point, I guess it's, it's fun if you if you get into it and you're very upfront that you're doing this, which is the only way I could get my group to do it. Like, look, I want to try something and I'm going to fix it as we go along. Are you cool with that? Oh, totally. We're playtesting some for you. Yep, we're in. And they had, we had a really good fucking time with it. It was awesome. So anyway, I also I also think that it should go without saying you you eventually have to have to hang it up and go forward. Yes, you if you play test to death, you it will never be perfect. Right, you will find somebody somewhere who does not like it. Right. And you can't, you can't hold let, things the up. fear. They can't let yeah. the fear of progress and, and or success or whatever else is bothering you. And it bothers all of us at some point. Avalon, the Kickstarter freaked me right the fuck out. 
Um, right up until the end. <laughs> Still does every once in a like, holy crap, I remember 700 plus people want this thing. It's freaky. And at some point, you're going to create something and someone's going to say, I didn't like that. Or I'm not sure that's for me. And that's okay. And you don't play test. Don't hide behind the play test that you set to some point where you're going, Sean. You got to push the sucker live and go. Yeah. You got to launch. Yeah, absolutely. Not launch. <laughs> so, it's Aaron, launch. I have no idea if we actually hit what you were trying to get oh, us to. It's a, this is a tough, because we're not pros at this, it's it's a little difficult. And I know other people out there have probably done more than we have. But Oh, yeah, man. We got, like, pros like Christopher Gray, and we've got Todd Crapper, and, well, the Misdirected Mark guys. I mean, we got a lot of people that are creating some really good stuff that listen to the show that are mm-hmm. like... They probably they probably listen to this episode and be like they're probably listening to this episode going I gotta listen to these two Yahoo's <laughs> talk about this talk about they don't know what the hell they're talking about with this topic which is you know so part of me is kind of like well I don't know if we're the best to talk about it but at the same time it's in the title ladies and gentlemen it is it is indeed it's gaming MBS man but I'll tell you what we're armchair all over here absolutely <laughs> armchair quarterbacks. Well, I'll tell you, uh, um, our listeners are sharp men and women, and they are smarter than us most yeah. times. So we would love to have other feedback or concepts around it. Kind of, this is our playtest, right? We tried this topic. It may have sucked. <laughs> so as you tend to do, listeners, men and women, write in and tell us what you think. And if you've got better advice for Aaron C., let us know. We'll be happy to pass it on to him. Because if there's a tool set out there, if you can say, hey, I used this online tool, or I used this formula, or I used this playtest kit, if such a thing exists, or I use this um, questionnaire. If you have those types of things, it would be great for you to share them with us. We can share with Aaron and anybody else who listens to us that may or may not uh, be interested in such things. So share away, and we will do our best to uh, push it on. Are we good? Yeah. I don't know if we're good, but what? we should probably end the topic. <laughs> I, I think we need to. I think we need to. All right. That roll. Not a, a ton of them this week, but uh, I did want to point out Metatopia, which they do not have their 2019 link up yet, but I, I listed a link to the parent um, the parents the parent org that oversees a few of the conventions and um, as soon as I'm sure Metatopia is solid, they'll uh, you can go to that link and check it out. So Metatopia is, a specific gaming convention that is for industry professionals. I think they qualify that as people that are trying to develop and design games, role-playing games specifically. And you go there, it is, it is a different convention. Like you go there and and you take part in games and provide feedback on games. So the people that, you know, are doing ash cans and betas mm-hmm. and all this can get feedback on what they're trying to, Get out to the public. So it is, as a game designer and developer, I heard it is just invaluable. Like yeah, that there. is the, that's the one. I've yeah, that is the one to go to. Like yeah. if you, yeah, that is, if you're going to go to any convention and you're developing a game or designing a game, tabletop RPG, you got to get to Metatopia. No question. That is what I've been told. But uh, other than that, I don't, I don't have anything other than that. Me either. Although I th- I'm thinking next week, one of the topics that we've had in the hopper for a bit was um, do GMs make good players? What do you think about hitting that one? <laughs> you want to go after that one? Yeah. I might have to do some uh, 
I might have to get some third parties involved in that one. Oh, why? You want to get some of the guys that play with me to see how uh, bad I, I suck? Uh, you know, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. Oh, I yeah. You, you talked to some of them. I didn't. Oh, well, I, I know you did. Yeah. You asked. <laughs> I, you told me you asked them this at Evercon. I didn't say anything. I was merely kind of killing some time and I ran into a couple of the guys. You wanted to see if I was if I was full of shit. I, I, know, I know you did. I did not. I did not start that conversation. Uh-huh. I did not. We were just talking about Gaming Man. Mm-hmm. And your name happened to come up for some reason. For some reason. I don't know, man. All I, right. I can tell you from experience, Brett has played in my game. So regardless if I ping a third party. You've played my games too. I have. Well, that's fair. And do I make a shitty player or a good player? I don't know. Well, let's we'll wait for next episode for me to rail on you for that. Well, <laughs> that depends. Uh, we already know you don't like it when I sit on the ship and shoot things. So, well, <laughs> that has not been a secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna have to tune into that one, ladies and gentlemen. All right, do GMs make good players? We'll see what we can get do into. Do GMs make good players? All right. Do control freaky GMs make good <laughs> players? Can they play one character for a longer period of time than five, five minutes? Five minutes that, and then switch to another player. All right. All right. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it. Uh, if you need anything, let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. Just you know, hit us up. Ask. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. We're, you know? we're not good at a lot, but by God, we're motivated. That's right. No favor too small. Exactly. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming MBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Hawksbarrow, Andy Hall, Corey Wynn, Graham Miner, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, C.W. Mellencamp, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humfleet, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Brasslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Coward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Angus, Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, Trevor Davis, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Annie Olson and Tony Sugarloaf Baker. For ways to support the show, head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers! This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.